Welcome to Bethlehem Church Online. I'm Pastor Matt. I'm so excited that you decided to join us for worship today. I hope the singing and preaching of God's Word is uplifting and it gives you just what you need. I'm not sure where you are in your relationship or your walk with the Lord, uh, but I want today to be a blessing. I want you to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And so we pray that today is encouraging and that it's just what you need. If it's your first time, make sure to click the link in the post and fill out that form. We have a free gift for you following today's service. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy the service. Hebrews chapter 12. Amen. Man, thank you for being faithful on a, on a game day. My goodness. How many are cooking? What? What are we doing? I mean, if we're not cooking, no. Come on. Let's go. Yeah, man, I'm in. I made some ribs last night. Let's go. Let's go, man. We'll cut in little pieces. Have communion ribs. <laughs> That'll be about what it is by the time everybody gets done with it. We'll put it on a little wafer, amen. Communion ribs, they're pretty good. Yeah, Sarah and I are doing this, like, uh, carnivore thing. I don't know if you guys heard of that, but it's I like it. It's good. Yeah, you you lose weight on it. That's for sure. Uh, I'm not like totally all into it. She is, um, but yeah, it's it's fun. You eat a lot of meat though. You eat a lot of meat. How many are good at cooking a steak? Anybody? All right, that's cool. Kyle's really good at it. Yeah, yeah, he's a blessing. Amen. <laughs> But yeah, man, you can just eat anything. You go through McDonald's and you're just like, hey, I'll take the double quarter pounder with cheese with only the meat and cheese. That's all I want. And they look at you like, it's kind of funny, but it's good. Yeah, it's not bad. Oh, man. Today is, yeah. It, look, if you will connect with this message today, it could change your life. And I, and I know the word of God is always that way, right? It's not... It's not the deliverer, right? It's, it's the actual message. It's the word. The word doesn't return void. You know, I have the easiest job in the world. You know, not really, but you get what I'm saying. It does all the work. The word does. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's passages of scripture that they don't even need explanation. And that's how I felt this week. It was like, man, it was, I read it and you felt the internal healing begin immediately just from inclining your heart to it. And that's, that's where it is. Um, so I, I want you to receive it today. I want you to engage with it. The title of the message is The Controlled Burn. The Controlled Burn. You know, how many have seen folks and their lives are on absolute fire and they don't even know it? And, and it's like they smell the smoke, they sense all of the the things that come with the fire, but it's like they don't even realize, it's like flames are coming off of them and they don't even get it. You know, and, and you're looking at them like, this is not good. That, that thing's going to, your clothes are not going to last long. You're going to be fully engulfed, but it's like, that's how folks live today. And it's, it's like the sin that they're engulfed in. They don't even see it. Their lives are completely burning and they continue right down that path. And I know for me, it's like sometimes they'll come see me and we'll talk about it and I'll be like, probably shouldn't do that. You know, they're, they're like holding the lighter. I'm like, you're covered in gasoline and you're holding the lighter to yourself. You should probably not do that. And they're like, say I won't. Like a little two-year-old, you know. And then the areas that we should be burning, David said the psalmist, while I was musing, the fire burned. You know, a fireplace is meant for a fire. That's a, no, that's a novel idea. I, you came for a profound word today, and I'm giving you one. The fireplace is, <laughs> the fire is made for the fireplace. There you go. When we think about what the Lord has done, it begins to burn inside of us. And we begin to get excited. Like, I, that worship set, uh, I don't even know. You know, Kaylee gets singing that song, and I'm just like, I mean, it is, it's, it's in, and then it comes out. You know what I mean? And you think about what the, this is the last couple of weeks worship has been on in here. And it's just like, 
man, Lord, what you are doing, it, it is consuming me. It's a consuming fire from the inside out. You pick and choose your fire. You get into the world and you live a life of sin, everything's going to burn down. And I've seen it, and I, I've seen people's lives burning, engulfed in flames. Everything's falling apart. And you think about what the, the author of Revelation said, like death and hell will be cast into a lake of fire. The fire analogy is all throughout Scripture. You choose your burn. <laughs> and then Usher pops out of nowhere. I think that you should let him. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's an old throwback, isn't it? It just came to my mind right there. ADD, come on. <laughs> Love that song. I almost did that song for a karaoke one night, and I chickened out. I should have done it. I'd still have regretted my life. <laughs> Burn. You choose it. You either go into that life of sin or whatever life that it is that's, that the enemy wants you to take and watch it fall apart, or you allow the Lord <laughs> to have a controlled burn and a start with the Holy Spirit. And it consumes all of the negative things. And it fuels the positive things in your life. That's where we're headed. That's where we're going. The controlled burn. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 29. Look, I just can't contain myself with this fire hall thing going on. I'm just letting you all know. If you've been praying, keep praying. It is <laughs> it's so crazy. It is so crazy. It is such a God thing. What is happening and what happened this week all I can say is just make plans to be here for the family dinner. And we'll, we'll have everything pretty well ironed out by then and a good game plan. And the stuff is coming together like you would not believe. Look, I'm, I'm saying in one year our church is not, we're not going to recognize what the Lord has done in our church in one year. I'm telling you. I'm telling you now. Mark my word. You can clap for the Lord. That's fine. <laughs> but mark my word. It's, it's going to look different, and we're going to know it was of the Lord. We're going to all take a step back and go, that's something he did. I'm telling you, it is unbelievable what, what he is doing. The controlled burn. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 29. Let's be blessed by the word of God. Hopefully you have your Bibles to follow along or it's on the screen. Pursue peace with everyone. Did you hear that? Pursue peace with everyone. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough, isn't it? Everybody's like, we're out. <laughs> Pursue peace with Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> nah. Maybe after the game. After he loses. Amen. And we're like, look at what the Lord has done. And I was lost. <laughs> He'll pick Mahomes up. I mean, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> In all seriousness, pursue peace with everyone. I'm, I'm coming for your heart this morning. I just want you to know. It's 1144. I'm, well, I'm well aware of the time. I sang that song twice, and that was like a six-minute song, just so you know. Is there someone in your mind right now that you will not pursue peace with? That's going to be your problem. That's going to be your stumbling block. Here it is. Pursue peace with, what's the, what's the scripture say? Mm -hmm. Without it, no one will see. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. I'm going to make some connections for you this morning with bitterness and sexual sin. This blew my mind this week. I was, I was blown away with, with the text, but it's there. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. Does anybody know who Esau is in here? just want to kind of get a lay of the land. If you know, throw your hand up. A lot of you know. Good. I don't know that I'll have time to tell the full story about that guy, but he'll, he'll come up. Um, let's see here. For you know that later, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was what? Even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. He was too late. 
For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and a storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. Even even if an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion. This ain't Sinai, boys and girls. You graduated. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriad of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all, to the spirit of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, somebody say amen, the mediator of a new covenant to the sprinkled blood, which says better things than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not reject the one who speaks. For if they do not escape when they, re- when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. His voice shook the earth at the time, but now he has promised. Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken. That is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. I love this. By it, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Some really, really, really good things in this text. Now, the beginning of it, as we lay the groundwork here, if you look back at verse 14 in chapter 12, pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace uh, of God and that no root of bitterness springs up. So this is a uh, kind of an ode to a verse that we've already come out of. This is the final warning in the text. We're coming down to the end here. We've probably got two more messages in this book, and then we're, we're through the book of Hebrews. But if you remember Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 1, it says this, Therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. Another tie to this verse uh, in verse 14, without it, no one will see the Lord. The author of Hebrews has been warning us not to fall from grace, not to fall short, not to come up short. He, he, he tells us to endure the race, to run the race. He tells us to think about what we're doing. He tells us to think about whether we're involved in besetting sin and to get rid of it. Why? Because it will keep us from where we are supposed to be. Uh, We have seen it over and over again reiterated that the Old Testament law was just a, a sign. It was the beginning. It was the construct that was made to show us of something greater to come. The book of Galatians says that the law, the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, and the other uh, 358 or whatever commandments are, are left also in the Old Testament, that that was the schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus. And this text is the same. It is spelling out that what was scary, what was the Old Testament, a mountain, right? Uh, uh, First, it was a burning bush that was there that Moses met God and God spoke to him out of a tree, out of a bush. And that bush was on fire and and he said, uh, Moses, kick off your shoes, your sandals, because you're standing on what? Holy ground, and the author of Hebrews tells us, you better be pursuing peace and holiness. And you think that was something. You think that was scary. He said, go, Moses, get my people, lead them out of Egypt, and come back to this mountain. And what was a burning bush became a burning mountaintop at Sinai. And what what he's describing here. For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, darkness, and gloom, and a storm, and a blast of the trumpet. When the Lord was doing work up there, uh, giving the Ten Commandments, look, they knew that God meant business. They knew that if an animal went where it wasn't supposed to, an animal and a person would be killed. Moses took great care to uh, abide by the rules that God had for them. And look, and that's Mount Sinai. How much more is it with Mount Zion? How much more is it with the law of Moses? We're talking about the law of Jesus Christ. We're talking about a Savior who was the perfect lamb. We're not talking about a system uh, of sacrifices that 
men do year after year that are a sign, we're talking about the sign. We're talking about the one. It was effective. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. There is no more excuses. We can't hand out an excuse. Jesus did what he said he was going to do, and he rose again on the third day, proving that he was who he said he was. Do you understand what's at stake? And he is now seated on the right hand of God. This isn't Mount Sinai. It's Mount Zion. This isn't a burning bush. This is the tree of life. Son, get a picture of it. See it in heaven. Understand what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with God Almighty in a Trinitarian fashion. We have the Holy Spirit We have Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before us endured the shame, despising it, and rejected of men, went forward and walked through the worst of the worst, endured the cross so that you and I could accept freedom and deliverance, not be subjected to it. There is a field of grace that we can be working in and receiving the fruit of grace, which is peace and holiness. But some have decided that they're going to work in a different field. Some have decided that they're going to work in a field where bitterness grows. And unfortunately, when bitterness grows, it's not the only thing that comes up. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 8, it says, But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed, and at the end will be burned. We'll continue along this line of thinking with farming the fields. Peace and holiness, church. Peace, shalom. A pervasive concept in the Bible that most commonly relates to a relationship of love and loyalty with God and one another. When I say the word peace, what do you think about? Anybody? Quiet. That's a good one. Right? It's a state of mind where the Lord and you connect on a relational level. Love and loyalty with one another. Peace. It was funny. I, when I was thinking about this word peace, I had, a, I had more time at home this week. Baby, baby mama's in here. She can attest to that. But I had more time with the kids. Y'all look, I know that was some heavy intros right there. You guys are like, take it easy. Take a breath. Amen. Oh, my goodness. But I spent some time with the kids, and I thought to myself, I don't know how a stay-at-home mom would ever have peace. Ever. You feel me? I'm like, she had one gathering with the ladies of the church, and if you went, thank you for going and being friends with my wife. (laughs) She had another gathering with Granite, the moms of the school, uh, was there something else? Was it three of them this week? It felt like five. It felt like five times you were gone this week. <laughs> it was crazy. But I'm thinking to myself, this is her normal. I can't find any peace in this situation whatsoever. I feel like, okay, I got this. You know, I'm like, sweetheart, you go, you have a wonderful time, sweetheart. Yes, enjoy yourself. Yep, yep, mm-hmm, enjoy. Don't worry about a thing, not a thing. I shut the door. And then I turn around and I'm like, oh my God, Lord Jesus, help me. What is about to happen in this house? Uh, and I'm like doing good to just like not have them kill each other. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like trying to come up with things for them to do. And uh, that goes good. But then everything in the house gets trashed. I'm like, I can't focus on watching them and making sure everybody's safe. And worry about the house not getting trashed. And then they start saying, I'm hungry. And I'm like, oh, no, that's like three things. I don't know about another thing. And so then I'm like, I got this. I'm going to go get you something to eat. So I go in the kitchen, and I start making something to eat. Y'all didn't know I could cook, did you? I can't really. I can use the air fryer. I'm real good at it. That's my impression of an air fryer, just so you know. (laughs) But I'm like, I got this. I'm going to cook something. So when I go in the the kitchen to cook something, I'm doing real good focusing on the food. 
but now the house is trashed and the kids are beating each other up, right? And everything is falling apart. And I'm like, I can't do all of those things. And somehow, when she's in charge, everything is fine. The house is actually better than when I left. No one kills each other and everybody got fed. And they're happy. How do they do that? Including me. And I'm like, how does she do that? I would assume she can have a peaceful moment even in all that. There is nothing peaceful about that. Ryan told me this joke. He said, dads are like the backup quarterback in the NFL. You're on the team, but you're not the star. And on the rare occasion you're brought into the game, people are very nervous. (laughs) I was like, yes. That is a perfect description. I'm like Huntley sitting over there. She is for real Lamar. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious. But here, let me me spell this out for us, right? Whatever God has called you to do, he wants you to pursue peace. Like, I, I don't think we've fully connected that. I hear a lot of people talking about how anxious they are, how upset their job makes them how depressed they are in their relationships. And, and I don't want you to stop telling me that. Tell me, you know, like I, I want to pray for you. But here's what I don't hear a lot of. Pastor, I'm just finding so much peace in the day-to-day. So much peace in it. We think that when we stop working, we'll find peace. Oh, that's like a heavenly thing. Or that, that's like, you know, eventually we'll find peace. We'll be at peace. I, no, no. God wants you to work your job peacefully. He put Adam and Eve on this earth and he said, have dominion over the garden. In other words, you're in charge. Cultivate it. Make something of it. Make it beautiful. You're made in my image. A creator made you to create and to bring me in on what's going on. And you will have peace in the day to day. You don't graduate from the day-to-day to to have peace. Find peace in your job. I hate my job. That's a problem. Well, then I need to change my job. No, you need to change your posture towards what you have and towards what the Lord has given you. We do it all the time with the weather. Man, oh, crummy day. Look, I'm telling y'all, when it hit like 60 degrees this week, I was like Mary Poppins coming out the house. <laughs> I was like, Woo-hoo! I was just killing the game. Birds were singing everywhere. I mean, it was just amazing. Lined all the kids up. <laughs> I was feeling it, boy. I was feeling it. <laughs> But the weather can do it. We can just be like, man, I hate this thing. I hate everything about it. Seek peace. This is not a state of nirvana that you're trying to eventually reach. The Lord says, I have conquered death, hell, and the grave for you to have peace now. Stop looking for something to come to you and enjoy it now. But you don't understand how difficult it is. <laughs> oh, okay. Like Jesus didn't understand how difficult it was, did he? Peace, peace. Holiness, what is holiness? It refers to the primary quality of God, denoting transcendent apartness from the rest of creation, his uniqueness, his total purity. When the term is applied to people, things, or places that have been touched by the presence of God or dedicated to God, it connotes the idea of being set apart for God and thus belonging to the realm of the divine, which is morally and ceremonially pure. Church, (laughs) The idea of pursuing peace and holiness is being at peace, being content, and letting God use you in your day-to-day for his purposes and, and not yours. That would require you turning over your life and what you have and giving him ownership. Set apart for his purpose, for his use, pursuing Peace and holiness. The implication, the implication for me in verse 14 and 15, let's look at it. If you look at verse 14 and 15, it says here that 
make sure that no one falls. It's like right on the turn, the page turn here. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up. God's grace, don't miss this, is unmerited divine favor, a favor from which comes many gifts. God's grace flows out of his inner Trinitarian gift-giving life, even in humanity's fallen state. God freely grants to his creatures good things they do not deserve. The greatest of these goods is Jesus Christ, taken from the fact book in Logos. Interestingly enough, watch this. I was kind of blown away by this when I was doing word studies this week. Interestingly enough, the word pursue, look at it, right? Chapter 12, verse 14, pursue peace. Do you see it? Everybody say pursue with me. Pursue peace. That word, it also means persecute. Pursue peace. The same word, the same Greek word is persecute. The w- Amen. <laughs> the Lord didn't like that one. Amen. The way the enemy is pursuing you to persecute you You should seek the peace that liberates you. The grace of God is the opposing force. When you put all that together here, verse 14 and 15, the author says, listen, there's a field that you can work in called the grace of God. And out of that field, it will produce peace. It will produce peace. Holiness, and those are things that you should pursue. And remember, just a few short verses before this, we learned that those that live by faith had been hunted down, sawn asunder, persecuted for doing the Lord's work. Even in the hall of faith, chapter 11, many of them that uh, think about Daniel in the lion's den. Think about David even before he was, uh, you know, crowned king. After he was anointed, he was hunted as an animal by King Saul. The idea that when you step into your assignment for the Lord, what the Lord has for you, it doesn't mean things are going to go good. It almost always means things are going to go bad, very badly. And that is is actually the testimony of those that have gone before us are those that have been persecuted. And, And understand that Paul, even the one who was persecuting, the one who was pursuing the Christians to persecute, became one that would pursue the grace of God. And so when the world looks at us and they pursue us to say, why would you believe that? Why would you do that? It doesn't make sense. In that moment, do you understand that if God wanted to, he could heal you of all that sickness if he was real? And you're like, "Uh, no, I'm not pursuing healing. I'm pursuing God. And if God wants to give me the thing, I can have peace in the thing. Because God knows how to suffer with purpose. God knows how to find the the purpose in the pain. And that is actually what the cross is emblematic of. A symbol of suffering. Pick up your cross doesn't mean that if you give your life to Jesus, everything's good. Uh, This is me finding peace. The author is not saying that. This isn't a religion that says, if you just follow and do exactly what we do, you will find peace, inner peace. Um, You will, but not in the way that we think about, not in the way the world thinks about. The same persecution that they faced, I think Jesus put it this way, love your enemies. Love your enemies. The very person that you don't want to love, you need to love them because you should be transcendent from another level. You should receive my holiness and set apart your pride. Set apart the things of you that wants to be mean and nasty or pursue the conflict and understand that I have a greater purpose. Pursue peace the way that they pursue persecuting you. This is a top tier Christianity perspective. The bottom tier is like, I'm going to go to church so things go better for me this week. Welcome. (laughs) Wait till you find out that's not why we're all here. We're here to pursue a deeper relationship with the Lord. And here's the thing. Here's the layer, right? 
Here's the layer that most Christians don't reach, just in my own personal experience. And this is something that I've reached in the last, like, maybe two years. And I've been saved a long time, been walking with the Lord a long time. But you reach a point, right, and I heard a pastor talking about this this week. Some of us are just like, we think discipleship is, I want to learn more what the Bible says and know more about what the Bible says. And many of us are in that holding pattern. I study the Bible, right, to learn more about the Bible so I know more about Jesus. But the Bible talks about, the psalmist said it this way, search me, oh God, and know my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me. Hmm. Search me? That's called being fully known. The Lord's desire is to see you, hear you, and fully know who you are. That requires internal access. The the next tier for Christians is not knowing more, not understanding systematic theology front to back, but it is inviting God internally into your painful places where he can fully know you from there. That is the pursuit of peace and holiness. That is internal work that sometimes requires a therapist. I would say almost every time requires a therapist. Therapy is spiritual? Mm-hmm. What is that? What does that look like? It looks like someone helping you parse through what's internally happening. And the Holy Spirit wants your heart. He wants an internal position. But yet we think, we think discipleship is only surface level. I come to a study, I learn, I put information in, and scriptural information comes out. God says, no, I want to fully know you. I want access to the field where your bitterness is growing so that we can host a control burn on that field and get the bitterness out. Because if you let that bitterness grow, here's what I'm telling you. You're going to miss the reward of grace growing in your life. And it wasn't until the last few years I finally got to the place where I'm like, oh, that place in my heart that I have unforgiveness. That's a field. And it's actually growing a lot more in my heart than the field of grace because I always go there. I go to the painful place. And when something happens in my life and I'm unhappy, that's where I run to and retreat to because my anger and my depression are always there. And the Lord says, if you're not fully known, then you've got another field growing. Similar to this man mentioned in our text, his name was Esau. I made this connection this week. I've never made this before in scripture about the story specifically. But the Bible says that there's a root of bitterness. If you're not careful, it springs up in you, right? Look at the text. A root of bitterness. I got to find it. It's on the next page. A root of bitterness springs up. Y'all doing okay? Okay, stay with me because I want to stay on time here, even though I still get six minutes from that extra song. Uh, No, stay with me. It says this. A root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and, what's the next word? Defiling many. There's a sexual connotation here, right? And make sure there isn't any immoral. So what does bitterness have to do with immorality? Everything. You think the enemy is coming for your marriage through, (laughs) you, you think he's coming for your, let, let's just put this in. Let, let me finish reading the verse. I, this is so much here. i got to finish reading this, and then, then it's going to make more sense. The topic of Esau, Esau and his brother Jacob, they were twins. Esau was older. If you think that everything we've talked about with Father Abraham, he was the promised seed, Isaac, right? And then who's Isaac's kids? Huh? I know you, I hear you. <laughs> Who is Isaac's kids? Yeah, say it louder, own it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, but it, essentially, Jacob, the younger one, ends up getting the birthright and the blessing, and Jacob has the 12 sons, right? And the 12 tribes of Israel come from him. But that should have been in order, birth order, it should have been Esau's. 
as a twin coming out first, and it was like Jacob had a hold of his heel. He was like, uh-uh, shoot, let me go down that chute first. Esau beat him. I don't know there's that much room in there. You know? I remember our twins, man. That was some crazy stuff, man. You see them, like, moving in there. It was like aliens, you know, arms and stuff when they get to that point. Poor baby mama. I don't know how you did it. She birthed, like, two 15-pound babies. It was amazing. Yeah, but the, the, the twins, and look, birth order matters. Let me tell you something. If you don't believe it matters, come watch my twins for a day. It's funny. One is definitely the alpha, and the other definitely came after, right? You could tell. But that happened with these two. Think about the promise of Abraham, the lineage, the promised seed. What was at stake here? The 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel would eventually produce Jesus. And the inherited birthright, being a part of that in their culture was everything. You're firstborn, you're getting the whole kit and caboodle. The farm is yours, you understand? And Jacob, the younger, stepped into that position and the older one ended up serving, Scripture says, the younger. How did that happen? Look at this verse. I found this interesting. Genesis 26, 34 through 35. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as his wives, Judith, daughter of Beeri, the Hithite, and Basemath, what a name, <laughs> daughter of Elon. Of course, it's Basemath in Elon. Isn't that funny? I'm like, ah, oh, that's prophetic. Anyway, you don't get it? Anyway, it's all good. Math, Elon, he's a smart guy anyway. Uh, Elon the Hithite, they made life, what's the next word? For his parents, Isaac and Rebekah. He took strange wives. In other words, you're supposed to marry within our people. Not go find uh, women of the world that serve, here's what it is, that serve other gods. Anytime in the Old Testament you find a, a man going outside to other countries getting wives that served other gods, corruption followed. You see? Solomon did it. Many, many of the kings did it. But I never noticed the fact that Esau did it. Esau went and got a wife who had other gods, and, and the behavior is idolatrous. And what is associated with that is bitterness. Bitterness for his parents. Let's go back to our text in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Here's what I want to say. Your bitterness will cause you to fall into sexual sin. We could even categorize it this way because this is how the Old Testament categorizes it. Sexual sin and idolatry always go hand in hand. So here, here, here's, what, here's what I want you to see. If you let bitterness spring up, you might not see the effects right now, but you will one day. You know what's funny? It wasn't funny, but Sarah and I were, you know how you like see people on Facebook and it's like they have two profiles and then you know they're going through marital trouble because two profiles turn into one profile. First and last name, you know, both of their names. You know what I mean? Does anybody else see that? It's like, nobody sees that? Are we the only ones? They had their own Facebook profiles, and now they have a shared profile. Oh, something's going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then after that, it usually goes back to two separate ones, and her name gets changed. That's, that's the 20... 23 progress for, you know what I mean, social media for couples splitting up. And we were just kind of like walking through how many people we went to Bible college with that are divorced. I kind of feel like it's more that are divorced than are married. It's a lot. And if you've been through divorce, like, you don't have to let that rule and reign over you. The Lord can offer forgiveness. That's not the point of what I'm saying. The point is, here's a lot of kids that are pursuing God at a young age. And then 10, 15 years later, their relationships are falling apart. They're not faithful to their spouses. At what point have we figured this out, that it's a trend? At what point have we figured out that sexual immorality is pervasive in this society? Do we know that? Is it something that we're dealing with? 
And we focus on that. And we're like, oh, yeah, it was this or it was that. It was that person. Stay with me. Let me help you with something. If there's anything that I've seen in this passage of Scripture, watch this. You know what it is? It's a root of bitterness. Of bitterness. If you decide to hold unforgiveness in your heart, it's not just going to make you an angry person. It's going to make you an unfaithful person. You have to see the progression. Esau, at the point where he wanted to inherit his birthright, where he wanted to step into that leadership role, was unable because he was unable to find repentance. Church, for long enough, you've been holding on to that thing, whatever it is. Bitterness, a root. And, and the, the, also the term that's, that's there is springing up. You choose what field you're working in. And, and here's the problem with bitterness. Some of us can be going to church because of our bitterness. We can be here because we're like, we're not going to be them. I'm not going to raise my kids the same way I, I was raised. I'm not going to treat mine the same way. Here's what you don't understand is as long as the root is still there, it will grow into the same behavior in your life. It will grow into that addiction that you're scared that you'll fall into. It's the bitterness. You think the enemy, it's like, oh, he gets everybody with sexual sin. No, he gets everybody with bitterness. He gets everybody with their daddy issue, with their mommy issue. He gets everybody with the fact that you were mistreated. And instead of saying, Lord, I'm going to dig it up and give it to you, and I know that your grace, your field of unmerited favor is enough, and I can go and farm in that field, and what I'm going to receive is peace. You leave it, and you go back to it, and you're angry. And I understand that you're angry, and I understand why. I know it's painful to think about. I know that you just want to bury it further, but the further you bury it, the taller it grows. There's more at stake than you just being an angry person. I'm saying the root of potentially your sexual addiction, what Esau's was, was a root of bitterness. And it went to his parents, and it went to him. Look, this birth order thing, our issues that we have with our siblings. Two years ago, I had a conversation with my dad that I never thought I would have. And let me explain something to you. The freedom that I experienced on the other side of that, I was holding unforgiveness in my heart. And it was a two-way street. But as soon as I had that hard conversation, guess what? I could feel in the moment, through FaceTime, I could feel freedom. I could feel something being produced in the field of grace. And it's called peace. And the enemy had no more strongholds over me. Look, we're not thinking this thing through as Christians. We're not. You don't come to church to put a little salve on your wound. Scripture says a wounded spirit who can bear. The next tier for discipleship, church, the next tier is for you to do the internal work that you need to do. you got to get that stuff out. A control burn inside the program or the notes. A control burn is used in every agricultural setting as one of the best processes to get rid of weeds, to get rid of impurities in the soil, and to make way for better nutrients for the actual crop that needs to be planted to find a return on. And if God is a consuming fire, you pick your burn. You choose now. You say, Lord, I want you to come and burn away the dross. I want you to come and burn up the things inside of me that are producing the wrong things. And you know what that's going to do? It's going to produce rich nutrients for the word of God to be planted in your heart. But until the bitterness, until the anger, until the depression, until the anxiety, until the problems, until the abuse that you went through that created those roots, until they're taken care of, it is a ticking time bomb, and the enemy knows it. You think you're waiting for someone to tempt you to sin? No. 
the enemy has been farming a garden of bitterness and hate. And that, all those other things that we look at are nothing but symptoms of the problem. They're not the actual problem. Your addiction is a symptom of the problem. This is the real tier of Christianity. Look, I have three things for you and then I'm going to let you go because I know we got some cooking to do. Three things this morning. I, I, look, stay with me. Don't check out just yet. Three things. I have three signs that you're working in the wrong field. Do you hear me? Is this something that, am I alone on this? Is this needed across the board? It's needed. Three, three things, three signs that you're working in the wrong field. Number one, throw it up here. You have a posture of irreverence in your discipleship and the discipleship of others. You don't take seriously what the Lord is doing in your life. If you make it to church, it's okay. If you don't make it to church, it's okay. The Lord puts someone in your life to help you to help them be discipled. And you're like, it's okay. I missed coffee. I missed lunch. It's okay. They'll be all right. They'll figure it out. Do you understand how important this thing is? Here's why. Because you know the thing that really needs to be dug out and discipled out of you, you're unwilling to touch it. And so it leads to irreverence in all other areas. It, it means that church will be something that you're willy-nilly with. Why can, you never, why can you never be faithful reading your Bible and praying? Why can you never be faithful to disciple that person the Lord brings to your path? Why can you be never? You sign up to serve for six months in church, and you make it three months, and you'll serve next time pastor preaches about it. Why do we struggle with that? We have a posture of irreverence toward our discipleship and toward the discipleship of others. That means that you're working the wrong field. Because if you're working in the grace of God and in that field, you're going to see how important discipleship is. You're going to see how important what the church does is in everyone's life. And, and the people at work are going to come to you to be discipled. It's a sign. How many people have you discipled? How many people have you led to Jesus? You're like, well, I don't know the verses. That's not the point. If someone is struggling around you, do they come to you and say, how do you have the peace? And I'm like, his name's Jesus. And he produces peace in my life. It ain't me. Irreverence in your discipleship. Number two, second thing, look at it. You have one-way communication with the Lord and your spiritual mentors. This is another sign that you're working in the wrong field. You have one-way communication. Healthy communication is two-way communication. Here's what I mean. Two-way communication. That's healthy. But if you're unhealthy, it's one-way. Two-way communication is ideal. Verbalize your position, path, and progress, and then receive feedback and focus on the needed farming. That is an issue if you are only interested in giving feedback instead of receiving it. Ask someone if this is you, someone that will be honest, preferably. Many of us don't talk to the people who we know will be honest with us, like our spouse. You should ask your spouse. You should be like, hey, uh, do I receive feedback well? That's funny, isn't it? We all feel the comical nature of that question. Do I receive feedback well? The fact that we're all laughing about it shows that we've got some work to do because we're working in the wrong field. Only by pride cometh contention. And when my spouse says to me, yo, you could have done better. You're right. The first thing I want to do is put her in a chokehold. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm kidding. Y'all are like, the first thing I want to do is get physical. No. The first thing I do is get a little angry. You know what I mean? I get a little hurt. What are you talking about? I did the best I could. That's not the point. The point is that we're in this together. We're one flesh. She should be able to talk to me like another part of the body. Like, hey, foot, what do you need? Need some vitamins? You need to change a diet? Because, you know, like my knee, it's like, goodness gracious, this thing needs to come join the party. You know, I've been dealing with a lot of pain here. We need to focus on it and get it right. But I'm not talking to my knee like it ain't a part of me. I need this knee. It's important to what we got going on. I better get it healthy, right? Y'all think somebody's coming at you all the time. Nobody can talk to you. Just ask somebody who'll tell you the truth, and they'll be like, yeah, you're a little sensitive on that. 
How do you feel when you're, I feel attacked. You're working the wrong field. You got some bitterness. You got some pride in there and it's got to come out. And if it doesn't, it's going to be your kids. They're going to suffer. Your relationship with the Lord is suffering. Two-way communication is ideal. If you don't give and, and receive feedback well, that's a sign you're working the wrong field. The last thing and final. Number three, you have a skewed view of the most crucial field. A skewed view of the most crucial field. If you, if we aren't aware of our own heart and condition, we will succumb to the early planting of idolatry from the enemy. And in turn, we will be battling our time split between two worlds. Simply saying that you value the gospel and God's grace more than your inner pain and insecurity is insufficient. We must do the internal work needed to be free and delivered from the routines of the worldly idolatrous fields. Your hurt, pain, and unresolved conflict will by nature keep you working in the wrong field. One of the most beautiful verses was this from our text this week. You ready? As a benediction, receive this verse this morning before we leave. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Somebody say amen. Let us be thankful. Buy it. Buy the kingdom of God. Buy the field of grace that he wants to give you. Watch it. We may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It's time to have a controlled burn. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Invite the Lord in to burn the fields of bitterness. Invite the Lord in to burn the unforgiveness. Invite the Lord in to burn the pain that happened to you when you were abused. Do you understand that the enemy is wrecking you over that field growing in your life? Your past sins are a field of guilt. Don't run back to it. Don't cultivate it. Allow the Lord to burn it and receive what you need. He doesn't, he doesn't accept you and give you a place in his family because of your goodness. He does it because of Jesus' goodness. Some of you can get freedom today. Your pastor loves you. I care for you. I care for your families, for your children. And I don't want to see anyone else miss out on an opportunity to work the field of grace because they're working a field that the devil planted. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.